Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contain high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy works with CEOs and their leadership to reach a new destination by learning how to maximize people, process, and systems as one effective team. To learn more, please go to 40strategy.com. Prior to introducing our guest, Josh Wilson, we also like always do a shout out. That shout out is a common mutual friend that we have, even though we're from across the country. But this is shout out to Scott Ballard from Confidence Coach. Although we, Scott has been instrumental in giving both of us the courage to make a difference. And so thank you, Scott, and for being a loyal listener of the show. With that, we're going to now do read through the bio of Josh. Josh is the creator of group of syndicated internet shows on Deal Scout with topics focused on business, investments, and even taboo topics surrounding men's health, except we're not going to dive into that too much today, but you never know. With a professional background ranging, and I, we are, I'm going to have to ask about this, wrestling alligators, fighting fires, delivering babies, scaling construction companies, working in venture capital, private equity, and building and selling media brands and podcast show. Josh has taken the road less traveled, which is a good book, and has built a platinum Rolodex along the way. Josh has a Bachelor of Arts in Business Administration from St. Leo University, which I love it. You said there, you learned how to learn. I think that's honestly, truly the most important thing of getting your college degree. Josh is currently the principal for Kingdom Syndicate on putting people, deals, and people together. Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, Carl. You're awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, let, let's kick off with, tell us more about Kingdom Syndicate. What is that? What do you do? Yeah. So I, I grew up on a construction site, swinging hammers with my dad and quickly learned in Florida. It's hot, right? Florida's hot and you're up on a floating trusses or doing roofing. And then I would see a, you know, a Lexus pull up and, and, and they stick a sign in the front yard for sale, you know, with their real estate sign. And then they drive off and I go, who are they? Why am I making, you know, $6 an hour swinging a hammer roofing with my dad? And these people are driving Lexuses and I could hardly pay, you know, the gas in my truck. So at 18 years old, became an agent quickly, then learned, learned my skill sets in real estate. And, and we could go into that later on, but I became a broker, started syndicating deals for investors. Didn't even know what that word meant, but somehow, you know, rich people like to talk to me and wound up building a bunch of stuff. But in the process, 
built stuff, lost stuff, built stuff, lost stuff. A lot of patterns in my life that uh, I'm learning to undo. But Kingdom Syndicate essentially is a, is a brokerage, I, a real estate brokerage. We focus on commercial real estate and business brokering. Built it a couple of years ago. And it's, it's had ups, downs, and all arounds, but we're, we're doing really well now and having a lot of fun. So tell me, you know, it's interesting. I, I love that story you started out with, which I remember making three thirty-five an hour at McDonald's, you know, with fries back in the day. So I love that. You're like, what am I doing sitting here? And I, I, I remember one of, one of my buddies, he, this is Brian Perkins, matter of fact, he was actually a working construction as well and construction management. And he saw a jet fly over and he's like, I want to be one of those. And he did. He became a fighter pilot, nice. um, actually ended up joining the air force and became a fighter pilot. So you kind of, you had that kind of similar thing, right? Where you're like, I want to do something different. So how did you, you know, how did you make that conversion? That's a pretty big conversion from going, being a roofer, right. And working on top of something and all of a sudden you're, you're doing real estate. How did you change your mindset? right? To go from doing that to something completely different. So I think the first time I knew I wanted to be a business owner is I was 10 and, uh, and I had this thing that money would fix everything. My, my family issues, my daddy issues. So I set my life out to be rich. And, and then, you know, that, that scenario, I was up on a roof looking down at the Lexus, not that I want a Lexus, but I wanted what, whatever they were doing was working. Because whatever I was doing was not working. I had, you know, blisters on my back and on my hands. I would say, you know, maybe that was 17 years old. Fast forward, I'm 40 now. I would say I'm just starting to get it now in terms of mindset. It, it's ridiculous how much stuff that I had to unwind in my own brain. And and you mentioned a shout out to Scott. Scott hit me up. We we I interviewed him on one of my shows. And just built a relationship with him. And I had a grown man look at me and say, I'm proud of you. I like what you're doing. And I believe in you. And I was like, holy crap. Like, you know, my dad loved me, but it's just, it was always, it was just always not me of what I was trying to build. It was always me trying to be someone I wasn't. Right. So it's, I would say pretty recent with the last few years, I'd say I'm just starting to get the mindset shift. I, I, Love it. When you said one of the most impactful time of my life, uh, my, my father passed away last this past September. And one of the things he said to me for the first time, he was in the merchant Marines. He was never around. My mom and dad's split was really young, but he said for the first time, I'm proud of you. That's the only time he ever said it. This was when I was college, right? Yeah. This is many moons ago. I, I ended up bawling. And it's amazing the importance that we can share to other people to give them confidence that we are proud of them, right? We are proud of the things we're doing because that's not what we hear every day, right? You know, we're, we're constantly comparing ourselves. Interesting, like comparing ourselves versus somebody who's driving a Lexus yeah. and realizing that's not going to make us happy, right? Mm -mm. So, so I'm curious now about, let's talk about that here you wanted to be rich and you found out being rich isn't everything. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... You know, it's interesting when you said this rich, I'm kind of curious when you said this, I want to be rich. Did you have a number in your head? Like, I want to get a million dollars in my bank account, or I want to get $10 million, or I want to get a billion dollars. What was your, I'm just curious if you want to share, what yeah. was that like thing, which, what did rich, what did rich mean to you? Yeah. And I, I, I didn't grow up with a lot of money, man. I mean, we never starved, but I remember a few times my dad's like, I don't know how we're going to buy groceries. Right. So never rich, but never 
lacking. We always had our basic needs. We had roof, you know, over our head, we had food on the table. I had crappy shoes from Kmart that the kids made fun of me, but I was still clothed. Right. So in my head, I was like, I'm going to be a millionaire by age 25. And I told my, like my advisors this, you know, I didn't even know they were advisors, but I just, I started telling people I'm going to be a millionaire by 25. And no, I didn't hit it. You know, like here's a spoiler alert. Didn't do it. Actually, you know, over the the course of my life, I've been bankrupt. I've been on food stamps. I've, the most common message I get on LinkedIn is like, "Congrats on the new role," right? So, uh, lot lots of lots of failures in the way. But rich to me was million by twenty five. Mm. So I'm curious now. Here you are at forty. Yeah. So, so what's driving you now? What's what's your new? Yeah business goal now i mean you're you're clearly involved in a lot of different business related matters right now you have multiple different things going on yeah. here before we go into that before we ask the question why don't you share a few more of those things right so you you help you're helping out with real estate and real estate brokering and help brokering business deals on top of that you have two podcasts that you're actively doing you got a family uh, you mentioned beforehand right yeah. so but what so here you have all these things going on but now you're like, you're 40. And it's like, so for you, what does success look like when you're 50? Yeah. So I, I think with mindset shift, I compare it to the matrix, right? In the matrix, the red pill and blue pill in front of you. So my whole life, I, I chased money because I thought it would solve daddy issues, right? I thought, I, I thought if I could take care of my dad, get him. I even told my investors this as I was syndicating deals. My goal is to get my dad off the roof. My dad, you know at 55, 60 years old was up on roofs. And I'm like, gosh, my goal was to make enough money to get dad off the roof. And, you know, I chased money, 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 money. And then when my dad passed away, so first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. Like it's, it's brutal having a, a father pass away. And my dad was best man at my wedding. He was my hero, even though we butted head like crazy. But, you know, like I chased money and the closer I got to it, the further it ran. And then also like I've with all the different life experiences from, you know, wrestling alligators, fighting fires, delivering babies as a medic and, and going through all these different things, building real estate empires and then losing it and building this and that, and, you know, being in VC and all, all these things I've got, you know, God's exposed me to billionaires, right? I'd sit next to a billionaire and they would talk to me. And then I would sit next to a homeless person or a drug addict or something. So I got, I got to see life patterns and I got to see what other people thought were important, especially here's the, you want to know what success is, right? Find someone on their deathbed. Are they alone? I don't care how much money they have. They, they you know, someone who would say, I wish I would have to me, they were no longer successful. I don't care how much money you had, but it was the people who are surrounded by family. I love you. I have no regrets. I'm ready to go. You kids got this. I trained you up you guys go, right? Like the person who could die in peace, the person who could die surrounded by love, like that's success. Like all this other stuff, the matrix, it's all just a facade. We want to leave generational wealth, right? It's probably going to screw your kids up or their kids, you know, but we're chasing it. Financial freedom. I want passive income so I don't have to work. What are you going to do? You're going to play golf for a week and then you're going to get bored. Like we're created to create and build stuff. So this whole thing of success is a facade. So 50 years old, I want to be working. I want to be building 
kings. I want to be building empires with people because I love doing it, right? Not because I have to, because I get to, right? I'll be, hopefully at that point, I'll have an assistant who takes care of all the crap that I hate doing or that I, I suck at doing. I'll have a team, you know, I'll have a manager who's good at managing people in details, right? Like, so I think I'll have a team, but I'll still be building. I'll still be talking with you, hanging out with you. That's what success is, I think. Yeah, no, I, 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 I like that how you, you know, you really hit at the crux of this, of what's the end, true end story, not just 50 years old, but where are you at the very, very end? And then you truly know often the amount of time you make this significant difference. Josh, I think I, I'm not sure if I shared with you the story we talked about beforehand, but there was a, a pastor who was getting ready to do a memorial for this business leader who is very, very well known, very well known, like extraordinary, like everybody would have known his name in this, this city. And his two sons came up to the pastor beforehand and said, don't you dare tell everybody that he was a great husband. Don't you dare tell anybody he was a great father. And don't you dare tell anybody he was a great businessman. Hmm. Now, imagine that as your legacy, right? Here, here, this person, once again, from the outside, gave this perspective that he was the greatest person in the world, right? Like, I want to be this guy. And then his own family members completely didn't want to be with him. Yeah. And, and that, for me, when I heard that story, I was like, whoa, 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 what, what are we focused on? That's why I love it when you bring back, hey, it's about we surround people with love and family. That these are the lessons that really matter. These are the things that really make a difference. By the way, those are being recorded. Perhaps we're a little bit more sentimental than normal because we're around the Christmas season, even though it's going to be not air till February later in 2022. But but these are the things you do a lot of times when you reflect and in, in these holiday seasons, right? You figure out what really matters, what doesn't matter, and you know what I want to have in my life. Okay, so I'm I don't know why I do this, but I'm going to like completely flip this. How in the heck do you fight an alligator? Huh, like all right. You, there's a, there's an art to this. There's, well, there's to gotta this. be, what is it? Yeah. All right. So I, I was working construction and I was going to school full-time in college. And I was like, I, I love my dad, but we're starting to really butt heads. I'm starting to get, you know, to a point where I'm becoming a man. I was like, I need to get a job where I'm, I'm not relying on my dad. So I opened up a newspaper. Remember those newspapers? Oh yeah. And, uh, and it said entertainers wanted. I was like, I could entertain people like this sounds fun. What is it? So I show up at this place called Silver Springs in Ocala, Florida. And, and they said, oh, you're here for the, the job to see if you could be an entertainer. I said, yeah, tell me about. And they said, how do you feel about animals? I was like, oh, I got a dog. I like it. They're like, well, how about birds, bats? I was like, yeah, I guess so. Cockroaches, scorpions. I was like, what kind of place is this? And they're like, how would you feel about wrestling alligators? And I was like, that sounds really cool. So I got the job pretty quickly. And then was there anybody else in line, Josh, for this? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> so maybe I got it by default. But that day, I was in the alligator pen being trained by Nine Finger Jesse <laughs> on how to catch alligators. We started with three, three foot alligators, and then we moved all the way up to at the end, I was doing stupid stuff with, you know, nine and a half foot gators, and I got attacked by the largest alligator in captivity, but here's, here's the, here's the art, right? And it's going to sound, you know, ridiculous, but you got to stay away from their teeth, right? Like I, their, their teeth and their tail, right? So alligators are extremely, really, really, really fast. Like you don't realize how fast they are. And 
you're looking at their teeth, right? Because you stay away from the mouth, right? But you, a lot of people don't see their tail. And what they do is they bring their food to their mouth with their tail, right? That's how they, they bring in. So they could bite from the side and they could lunge forward. But most of the time they'll get you with their tail. That, that, that gets a lot of people. So when wrestling an alligator, right? You, can, you, could, you could stay in front of an alligator. As long as you're in front of them, they have a hard time because they, most of the time they have to bite you from the side with the side of their mouth. So if you could stay in front of the alligator, you could kind of control how they can lunge at you and stuff like that. But you could kind of put your hand on their, their snout and kind of push them away and such. But to, to get on the alligator, you kind of have to circle around. So I was a wrestler. So you, you can circle around and then you grab their tail, right? Once you have their tail, you're in a good spot unless they, they'll, they'll fight you. You pull them backwards, okay? which takes their, their four feet and it slides them forward. Now they no longer have power. And then you jump on their back and then, you know, I could walk you through the other stuff, but that's, that's the most important thing. Grab the tail, give it a little tug backwards. Now they lost their power. You could jump on, you could start working your hands up the mouth close the mouth, lift it back up. And they lost all their power from there. That's crazy. So, <laughs> so you, that is absolutely nuts. So you actually, so you, what was the biggest you said in captivity? So how big was that alligator? Oh yeah. So, you know, I can, I could at the time I was probably a lot stronger than I was, was gosh, it's probably 18 or 19 years old when I was doing that. So one time I was walking around with, with a few people and, and we walked by big Al, big Al was the largest alligator in captivity. And what I saw in his pen, he was the only alligator in his little section. I saw that someone threw a nickel on his back and that drove me nuts. Right? Like you can, you know, you could really hurt an animal by, by doing that stuff. Not that I'm an uh, animal activist or anything, but like, don't screw with our alligators, right? They're, they're beautiful creatures and they're dinosaurs, right? They're the last dinosaurs we get to see and experience. So I asked my, my boss and it had a, like a nine foot glass wall around the thing. I said, Hey, someone threw something in there on, on big Al's back, like right behind its head. I said, can I go get it? And he goes, sure. He thought I was kidding. Before he knew it, I was in the pen sneaking up on Big Al, right? He's 13 and a half foot, 14 foot or something like that. And I got the, got the coin off and I was like stepping back. And it's like almost like a movie. I stepped on a twig, crack. And it's like Big Al's like, hmm? he, he tried to try to attack me. He did the tail maneuver, dislocated my ankle. And this big head came around. His head is probably half the size of my body. And he's like trying to chomp me. Luckily, there was a tree in the way. And he's just like chomping at the tree and I'm laying on my butt with a dislocated ankle and there's a 13 foot alligator in front of me. And somehow I wound up, I, somehow I was able to run and jump, climb up that nine foot glass wall and get on the other side. And I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but whoever it was looked at me and they said, what the heck were you thinking? I held up the, <laughs> I held up the nickel. I said, I got it. <laughs> and uh, you're kidding me. You actually got the nickel after all. I got the nickel and I lost it because it was, I put it in my wallet for a little bit, but I, I drilled a hole through it and I wound up, I had it on a leather necklace for years. And then one day I put it in my wallet and I lost my wallet, but yeah, it's, isn't that dumb? <laughs> you know, it's like super dumb, but like yeah. absolutely crazy that you had this like audacious confidence to jump into and what's it, I don't think sometimes people understand when you say a 13, 14 foot alligator, this is meaning tail to top is four feet taller than a basketball hoop yeah yeah massive creature yeah 
absolutely massive creature. I, and I've been to Florida a lot. And I, I remember the first time I was golfing there and I was getting ready to retrieve a ball out of the water. And I'm, you know, used to playing in Oregon and they're like, no, no, because the alligators are in the water. Often, yeah. Right. So you don't go looking for your balls unless you know what you're doing, meaning that have fallen in the water. So, okay. That I, I am not sure I'll ever meet somebody again that honestly has gotten a nickel off of a 13, 14 foot alligator. So we had to include that in the story today here. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's pop back to some of your interesting stories of, of the roller coaster. I mean, you are the, the true high roller, so to speak. I mean, you have hit truly the highs and the lows, you know, mm. it's, it's in terms of, of being very high and being on top of things and, and hitting, hitting bottom. Yeah. So I'm, and, and you've had it recently, recently you've kind of hit, hit this bottom part. Yeah. When you hit this low, what's going through your head? Shit. <laughs> like, what did I do to put my family in this situation? Like, I'm yeah. dis, I'm disappointed in myself, right? Like, I'm like, yeah. And at the time, you're, you're, you're. It feels like you lose hope. And now, the, this is probably you know, a couple of years ago. It's like that was probably the worst low I've ever been in. But I've been in a lot of lows. Like one time, I'll stand on a bridge thinking of jumping off because. You know, I, I cashed out my government pension and all my money, put it on a fitness technology company and it failed. Right. So I felt worthless. So I, I, I've, I've been trained, I guess. I, I have a lot of experience in failure. So the, 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 the biggest hit, you know, is, you know, going bankrupt, right? Like God called me to build businesses and invest in people. Going bankrupt is the absolute failure for a business owner. For, for, for someone who's called to be an investor, like what? You go bankrupt, right? So the, the thing that goes to your head is an identity crisis. Like maybe I was wrong. Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm the wrong person. And then you start self-doubting. Your confidence gets kicked. You, you start looking, you, you, get, you could get desperate. You start partnering with people. And when you go through a major failure and you're in this like desperation where I got to go make money to put diapers on my baby's butts, right? I got three kids. seems like with every kid, I had another financial catastrophe. That's why I got, I got, I got, uh, what is that word? Uh, a vasectomy. So I'll no longer have any more catastrophes <laughs> through kids. Yeah. I got no more. three, three's enough. Three's enough. But you know, I think, I think that identity man and confidence. And when, when you go through a really bad failure and you're desperate, that's when the sharks come out. They smell that, right? Like they smell desperation and, and you take jobs that you wouldn't normally take. You take opportunities that are out of your wheelhouse or out of your skill set, or you do things that are like super risky. There's another one, man. When you, when, it, when you start going downhill, like if you don't, if you don't have wisdom in your life and people in your advice to guide you, you get riskier because you're like, I got to build back up. So then, oh man, then you move your family to, you drag your wife and your kids to New York and you make that screw up mistake, right? So I would say that kind of goes through your head is uh, when, you, when you start going down, you start getting desperate, you start freaking out, you start looking at what are my options and your options, it seems like they get like more or less and less and less. And, you know, and you, and you feel like you have to go after risky stuff. And uh, that's something that I learned within the past couple of years is I don't have to, I could say no to people. I can uh, choose who I work with. I could be in it for the long haul, right? I'm only 40. I got, I got 
at least 40 more years of deal making and, and building and investing. Like what's the rush, man. So I think those are some things that went through my head. I, I kind of blacked out just then. And I just rambled. Did, did, did I answer no, your no, question? You were, I loved it because, and okay. I didn't interrupt because you were in that zone of how challenging it is of when you hit for lack of a better term, rock bottom, you know, yeah. and, and, and you were living it. I mean, you you're reliving, you're probably even, you know, I don't know if you're sweating when you're talking about it, but I mean, it, it's, it is crazy because you've done things that I've never, I mean, I've, I've had definitely had a share of failures. I've had to give out Hannah as a 250 termination checks beforehand. You know, mm. my, my reward for getting, keeping my job was I got to hand out to him. That was one of the worst days of my life. You know, of, wow. What a, what a gift, you know, I get to keep my job, but I get to sh tell 250 other families that they're done with their job. So there's definitely, I've had also these times of, of but, but nothing what you describe it's a, it's, it's even because you're willing to take these big risks. I mean, anybody who's willing to jump on the back of an alligator and pick up a nickel <laughs> is willing to take big risk, you know, yeah. and, and, and you have this confidence behind that. So, so now let's talk about getting out of it, right? Because yeah, first of all, I, I do want to mention something I think is really important is it's, it's fascinating. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I would not ever call myself quote unquote a gambler, but I've been on a, a, a blackjack table beforehand, right? And and you you slowly build up and you and then you'll find out you oh, I'll just I'll just double three times the amount that I did beforehand, then four times the amount, five times the amount. And what I should have done is put some of that money in my pocket and plan the mm -hmm. house's money the rest of the time, you know. And and yeah. but what we do is we keep it, oh, we can get it again. And then when we get down to the final few bucks and our what's left, we like all of a sudden we oh, we'll just I'll go on 16, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hit. And so it's interesting about knowing what risk to take and not to take can be the difference of living and surviving. Right. You know, and, yeah. and learning when to put some money away and take some house money away to make sure that, Hey, I can, I can weather this next risk, you know, in, in terms of things, but now let's talk about, you think, okay, what's next? I don't want to do this again. Right. I want to have a longer term focus. So now when you're thinking ahead, and once again, you have this much different vision of building kings and building empires, what was your first step to making sure that you were going to be increasing your likelihood of being successful in this run? Yeah. So let's just say starting from zero or even less than zero, right? Mm -hmm. The, you know, my, what I did is you got to start really, really, really small, rudimentary. Like you almost have to give away, right? You, you, sometimes you need to even go back to like, you know, if you're, if you're entrepreneurs out there listening in and you're like, hey, I just lost it all or got divorced or, or had this major failure or identity crisis or whatever. And you're like, I need to restart, right? Sometimes restarting is starting back from zero or less than zero. Sometimes you have to start really small. Sometimes you even have to trade time for dollars, which is like, it's terrible, but you got to get momentum again. I'll tell you one of the worst things for, for me, a hard driving entrepreneur who's on a mission, it's got a purpose, right? One of the worst things for a guy like me is to be worried about money, is to be worried about, can I, can I pay my bills? Because then what happens is my, my sales ability drops dramatically. When I have money in the bank, I could easily get more money. When I have money in the bank, I could easily close more deals. When I have no money in the bank, it's like people could smell desperation. It's like written on my forehead. So, you know, I, when I coach a guy or something like that, like I'll say, hey, get a part-time job, 
I know it sounds weird. I know you're a big baller, whatever. Keep some money coming in, keep some consistency, do a contract work, whatever. Get some breathing room. Zig Ziglar says money's not important, but it's kind of close to oxygen, right? So when you don't have it, it screws up everything else. So get some type of flow. So I would say, how do you get out of it? You know, here's what I did. I took on consulting gigs. I, I did stupid, you know, like taught people how to do LinkedIn, right? I did LinkedIn campaigns for people or, you know, I, I charged people. I, I tested a thousand different ways to do things. I, I stood up podcasts for people. I, you know, I interviewed them. I helped them create media, like whatever it took doing, you know, just to get the ball rolling. You get a couple of grand in the bank. Now you can breathe a little bit. You get some money coming in, you get some clients and then other clients start showing up, but you got to get momentum, you know? Yeah. I think that's an excellent, I, I love it how, you know, some people don't have, I think the hardest thing, no matter what it is, when people are like, well, I'm, I'm just going to take six months off. Let's say they get laid off. Oh, I'm just mm -hmm. going to take a break. And I understand it. I mean, I understand wallowing and, 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 and thinking and really trying to replan, but you know, when, when the astronauts came back from space and came back down to earth, they found the only way to keep them out of depression was to do massive goals to get them focused again. Yeah. And, 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 but sometimes those massive goals are like small humility type things. Like, no, you're going to actually take a job on something that you wouldn't do for maybe 20% of what you used to make in the past. But when, 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 when you're in desperation mode, like I'm not going to take this, but I'm going to rely upon somebody else to help me out, i.e. the government or something like that, you know, and, and I'm not saying those things are all wrong, but you, you lose your own courage again, you know, and, and you have to create the confidence, right? It's the flywheel confidence of the small things turn to the big things, turn to the bigger things. So then now let's talk about that next stage, right? You gain some confidence, you have some deals, you get some cash flow. So how do you, how have you learned to take it to that next step, right? In the entrepreneurial roller coaster, take that next step where like you're now not saying yes to the old things that were making you $10 an hour, mm -hmm. but you're now saying things that are making you $150 an hour. How do you, how do you make that? Cause that's sometimes hard, right? Cause you have this yeah. like feeling like I need to, wow. So they helped me get back cash flow again. And I can put food, literally food back on the table or pay the rent or whatever it is, mortgage, et cetera versus, man, I got to think about the future. What are things you've learned to be able to make that transition, right? Of, of to that, because you have to, right? You have to make that next step. You cannot be still making $10, $20 an hour when you, if you have this goal of where you want to be in the future of, of creating generational wealth or whatever it might be, right? You know, yeah. of the, the future are different. So what do you do? What have you done, right? To, to help step up, to continue to step up the uh, path? Yeah, my friends over at the Firefly Group, will attest to this. And also like the guys over at, you know, trans world, you know, I've got, I've got some guys in my life and Scott's even shared this, you know, like David Mann or Andy Cagnita or some, you know, people who are smarter than me, take a look. I constantly go back to people and I go, here's what I'm working on. And they go, Josh, that's too much. So I, I start to narrow it down. They're like, you're, you're trying to do too much. People don't even know what you do. You got to narrow it down. And that's probably the story of my life, but like just narrowing focus allows me to go become known for something. Right. So now instead of me hunting all day long on LinkedIn, Hey, can I help you? You know, people are coming to you. So, you know, you get 
you get good at something and then it starts to people, people pay attention to like momentum and traction and they see what you're doing. And I created this crazy ass goal, like through, we have a public relations company. And, you know, one of my goals was to do 500 interviews on my shows and people are like, Whoa, that's, that's way too much. And I said, what it is, is traction. What it is, is it gives people the ability to see what I'm doing. And then people started showing up and they go, Hey, could I be on a few of the shows? I'd like to do a series with you, or I'd like to sponsor a series, or I'd like to, you know, maybe be, you know, be, become a partner. So then people started showing up with money. So I, even though, right, like a lot of people don't know how to make money doing podcasting, I created a big goal and I'm running with it. And people see, Holy moly, Josh, you now have 20,000 followers over here and 20,000 over here. And they go, huh, I want to follow too. What am I following? Sometimes I don't even know, but a lot of people are doing it. So I think that is, I think that's part of the process and then get better at something, get good at something, devote yourself to it, start working with other people, show people your plans. I'll, I'll, I'll run a series or a campaign where I'll reach out to a hundred people. And I say, Hey, I haven't yet built this. This is in pre-production. So maybe it's a new show or it's a campaign we're about to run and we haven't launched it yet. Would you take a look at it with me? And see if it, you know, give me your advice on, is it good? Is it smart? Is it lined up with what you need, what you want? And a lot of times they'll go, no. And I go, well, what do you want? And they said, if it did this, I'd pay for it. And I go, done. Here's the the payment link. And they're like, okay, cool. You know, like that's, yeah. No, yeah, no, I, I think what you said is, is, is awesome there of, of what you're saying is creating massive action. This is a Grant Cardone comment mm-hmm. that he does all the time is it's funny. I, I'm doing my 50 podcasts annually, one, one a week, basically he did 500 and, and it takes a fair amount of effort for me to get the 50 out. He did 10 X that, but the, you also 10 X your relationships that you developed over that period of time. Yes. And, and I, you know, it's interesting when I first set up this podcast, my, you know, measure success podcast, you know, I had some different goals and, and, but what I found, what I enjoyed the most, honestly, is learning from people like yourself. I'm learning from the, or my guest on a consistent, regular basis. And I'm also getting a whole new connection. And then I get all of your connections because of the relationship that we developed through this. And so it's not just 500, it's 500 times an exponential amount, right? Yeah. Because it's all their respective connections as well. And that's what ultimately brings things in. And that's that massive action, you know, concept around it, which I love that you did it. But also, you know, it's kind of a good idea when everyone says you're crazy. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, then, you know, nobody else is going to do it or very few people, you know, yeah. which are going to yeah. set you apart. Yeah. Copy me. Good. You know, good luck. Like I, there, there's a lot of people who could do it like, good, let's work together. There's going to be four or five people who can keep up with this kind of stuff with me. That's right. Right. So That's let's, right. if we did it together, holy moly, we would, we would be the, you know, we, we would be the syndicated shows that get the most attention, right. Or that they get create the most deal flow, right? Like anybody out there wants to do 500 shows, you're a deal maker, you're an investor, whatever, hit me up. Like, let's do it together. I'll help you. Like we'll work together. There's no That's competition right. in this world. Like we can, we can do this. Yeah. Oh, and holy cow. It's a big, big world, right? You know, it's like, exactly. I love it. It's like more than multiple people can and whatever you're willing to do to get after it. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. How you say it. it's like, let's, let's partner and figure out how to, how to work together to be successful. So, yeah. all right. So I have to ask the question. I know you kind of answered it beforehand and I'm just going to make it a little bit more broad because it's definitely been a mix of, of business and personal throughout the period of time. Yeah. How do you measure success? I mean, 
I can walk my daughter to school every morning, right? I have three kids. I, I get to walk my kids to school in the morning. I get it sometimes even during the day, I'll just block out time. I'll go pick them up. I, I went last Friday to an ornament decoration party for my, my son who's in preschool. That's success, right? I, is if I want to be somewhere, I can be there, right? Time success is the most important thing. Like right now I'm recording this virtually from my office, right? Like there was some challenges in it. I had to figure out the internet and figure out the lighting. And, you know, you look in the background, it's not perfect, but like I'm with my family. We went out on a boat last night with a bunch of friends, like that's success in personal life, man, being able to create relationships, being able to walk away from different people that are toxic or harmful, knowing that I'm loved, knowing that, you know, I'm called for a purpose. Like God loves me. I'm his son. That's success. Right. Look at my bank account. Some days you might be like impressed. And then other days you're like, are you okay? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you work with, you know, 10 bucks in the bank account? Like, are you okay? Are you, are you freaking out? Like, yeah, probably, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm supposed to do. And some days it grows bigger. Some days it gets smaller, right? It's all a facade anyways. Money's fake. You know, I, I love your explanation of, of success. You know, it, it could, it's the, it's the, it's, these are the things, as you mentioned beforehand is when, when the last of your days, who's going to be surrounded with you and the investments you're making in your family now will reap benefits down the road. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, it's, um, I think the hard, hard part for all of us, right. When we're, we're traveling, I travel a bit and, and are we making that time when we come back? right. To be present and, and to care about the relationships that are there, not just what we're building, because as I said, at the end of the day, do you, what do you want your kids to be talking about you when you're at the end, you know, and, and the relationship and your, and your spouse and whoever else the significant other people. So it was, I love that. I love your support. I love you where your heart is. And I, I, I just, it's still amazed by anybody who grabbed a nickel off of an alligator. That's unbelievable. That might be the title of this podcast. And by the way, is, you know, can you grab a nickel off the back of an alligator? What is a book you'd recommend for our audience? Yeah, I got two recommendations. These are books that I've recently read. Now I can, you know, yes, there's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the book, you know, the richest man in Babylon, you know, all those, all those great books, you know, like, but there's two recent books that I read that I thought were really powerful. One is Who, Not How. It's a hearty uh, book. Benjamin Hardy, doctor, whatever. It talks about how to, how to, how to find and inspire people to do the things in your life. Cause the only way you're going to grow and expand is through people. I don't care any, there's no other way, right? Yeah. You can have software or whatever crap, but you, you need people in your life. And then EOS life by Gino Wickman, uh, two really good books. I encourage all of my, you know, coaching clients to, to read those two books. That's awesome. Good recommendations. I just recently actually finished the Who Not How and EOS Live. I've listened to other Gina Wickman stuff, but I haven't listened to, uh, read that yet. And actually, there's your second person recently who's recommended it. So that is awesome. Well, Josh, it has been an absolute pleasure. I love your story. I love your heart. I am proud of you, proud of what you're doing. I love it that you, you know, you, you're like, hey, Carl, I got to get out of here because I got to be with my family. And so I'm going to let you go here, here in a moment. But Josh, thank you so much for being on the Measure Success Podcast. Yeah. Hey, could I, could I give a, a call to action for, for the audience, please? Yeah. Hey guys, if you need to text me 352-274-4500, or you can find me and connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, you type in, you know, Joshua Bruce, that was my dad's name, Bruce, Joshua Bruce Wilson, or you type in the deal scout and I'll pull up my profile. That's kind of like my CRM. That's the best way I help manage my connections. So we could connect there and I uh, would love to chat with you and 
Hey, if you're out there and you're going to do 500 interviews too, maybe 501, try to beat me, you know, let's connect. Let's find a way to do it together. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing how to, how to get a hold of you. Uh, we'll make sure that that information is available. And Josh, thank you so much for being on the Measure Success Podcast. Awesome, Carl. You're great, man. Thank you. And to everyone else, thank you so much for listening and wishing you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.